This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Hello and welcome to the Low Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. This week we remember legendary town manager Danny Williams, who in February 2019 sadly passed away at the age of 94. Before starting the episode, I think it's important that we remind ourselves of what Danny achieved before arriving in Wiltshire. He was born in South Yorkshire in November 1924. He was from the village of Thryborough, which today is just a short 10-minute journey by car from the village to Millmore, where he would make his name as a player. Like many footballers of his generation, Danny started his working life in the employment of a local mine. Danny worked at the Silverwood Colliery, where he was a pony driver for some time. He also represented the colliery on the football pitch too. Danny's association with Rotherham United began in 1943, where he played for the Millers during the war years, playing 97 times. He was still working at Silverwood during this period. In fact, Danny combined his Rotherham United career with the Silverwood Colliery up until 1953. Between 1946 and 1950, Rotherham were the nearly men of the Football League Division 3 North. They narrowly missed out on promotion by finishing runners-up three seasons in a row before a sixth-place finish in 1950. However, Rotherham finally achieved their first promotion to the second division in 1951 as they finished comfortable champions and Danny Williams was one of their star players. It's in Division 2 where Rotherham would remain for the remainder of Danny's long career at Millmore. 
The closest he got to the promised land of Division 1 as a player was in the 1954-55 season, when only two points separated first place and fifth. It's hard to argue against the notion that Rotherham could feel the most hard done by as they finished third on the same points as the promoted Birmingham City and Luton Town, only to miss out on goal average. Danny's obituary by Rotherham United states that he played his final competitive games in 1960, but that didn't stop one of his final games from turning out to be one of his most memorable, as Danny starred in the FA Cup third round second replay at Hillsborough, which Rotherham beat Arsenal 2-0 in front of over 56,000 supporters. After a Rotherham United record 461 Football League appearances, Danny moved to a role as player-coach of the reserve side before replacing Tom Johnston as the first team manager in the summer of 1962. With Rotherham still in the second division, Danny's first season in charge resulted in a 14th place finish, which was improved the following year when Rotherham finished 7th. However, Danny walked out on the club during his third season in charge and his 22-year association with the United was over. This brings us to Swindon Town, where I bring in my guest Vic Morgan, whose first games watching Swindon was during the tenure of Danny Williams. Before I start the episode, I'd like to thank Vic for taking part, and also acknowledge my sources for this episode, which have been through the obituaries of the official Rotherham United and Swindon Town websites. And also a big thanks to Richard Banyard for supplying some points of interest from his extensive newspaper archive on www.swindon-town-fc.co.uk. It's time to sound the hooter for the low strangers as we remember and celebrate one of the club's greatest ever managers, Danny Williams. Enjoy. Um, nice to speak to you, but of course, um, a very sad occasion to have to speak to you about. But uh, nice to speak to you anyway. Very much so. So thank you for joining me. Very rarely am I impacted by the loss of somebody I've never met. But the news of Danny Williams' passing has stayed with me since the news was made early in the week at the time of recording. And I do think it's only right that the legacy of Danny, as Swindon manager, is given as much coverage as possible, and I'd like to contribute to that. We're going to go through his two town spells, probably with more of a focus on the first, but I think we can both agree that Danny is a tremendously important figure in the history of Swindon Town Football Club. Oh, massive. I mean, you know, if you talk of the pantheon of Swindon Town managers, he is up there. Um, his predecessor, of course, Bert Head, Bert's Babes, famously put those together. But Danny Williams gave the club arguably its finest moment. And if you look in the history of football, there are very few times when a side from a lower tier lifts a major trophy. And that was an extraordinary achievement and a promotion in the same season. And uh, it was just in a magnificent time. And he deserves to be right at the top of that pantheon of Swindon Town managers. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the seasons that Danny was manager of Swindon and that started in 1965. He'd just completed 
Just over 20 years of service to Rotherham United, he worked in a coal mine for about a decade of those years. Nobody has played more games to this day for Rotherham as Danny. He was once wanted by Liverpool, but as we know, football clubs had much more control over their employees back then as in comparison to today. He managed Rotherham at the county ground just the once in 1963, a 3-1 town win in front of 19,000 supporters. Now, Rotherham's gates would have been significantly lower. Town had an attack of Smart, Hunt, Rogers, Summerby and Jack Smith. I imagine these are the sort of things that visiting managers remember when they're mulling over such moves. Yeah, just give me that figure one more time, Rich. Go on, it's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Go on, one more time. The 3-1 win over Rotherham in front of 19,000. 19,000. Um, oh, for the days when we used to see crowds like that at the county ground. And, you know, when you think about it, in those days, of course, that wasn't an unusual sort of figure. And 19,000, can you imagine that now? I don't think you can fit 19,000 in the county ground, let alone on a regular basis. Well, Danny was living in Bournemouth when Swindon came a-calling. He may have lived in Dorset throughout his town career. He was working part-time, believe it or not, as a gardener whilst in between managerial jobs. He was replacing, as you mentioned, the extremely popular Burt Head. Head's departure was not a popular one. Uh, He was the man that got Swindon to the second division for the first time. I think one of the great achievements for Danny was that he managed to win fans over post-Burt Head's departure. Yeah, I think many people forget, of course, that Burt Head got Swindon up. And then in their first season, they started very well. And in fact, we're up at the top of the table uh, right at the beginning of the season. It then sort of drifted a little bit, didn't it? And they finished in 14th place in the second division. Still an achievement for the town. And then it all went wrong. They got relegated. Then they brought Danny Williams in. But don't forget, you know, Burt Head had put that team together and the likes of Rogers and Summerby and Hunt and all those people uh, were there when he put that side together. So it was a tough act to follow uh, by Danny Williams. And, and many town fans would have at the time gone, Danny who? You know, they wouldn't have known him particularly well. But he came in and gradually started to shape the team that did so well in 1968-69. It's kind of a make or break move for Danny because he, he could have been down in Dorset wondering whether the phone would ever ring or the letters would ever come in. But, I mean, it's like John Trollope becoming Rotherham manager, as you say. It's a a complete wildcard appointment, really. Yeah, from somebody who travelled down from Yorkshire, one of his great rivals, of course, during 68-69 was Ken Furphy, who was manager of Watford. And I knew Ken very well when he worked with me at BBC Radio Dev, and he sadly passed away some time ago. But, you know, Ken came down to Watford, and it was a bit of a culture shock for him. Uh, coming from the north like he did. Danny came from the north to Swindon, and it's a different kind of mentality. You know, you move from the north to the south. Nowadays, people might think, well, so what? But in the 1960s, totally different sort of thing. And to actually come down, you've got to get into the culture of it. You've got to get the team together. And in those days, I think managers had a lot more control over the signings they made, the wages they, they earned, all that kind of thing. It wasn't such a you know, you didn't have directions of football in those days, as it were. So, you know, Danny came down and had to get his feet under the table and mould a side uh, that had uh, would follow in the footsteps of Burt's Babes, who had been successful, apart from that relegation. They gave the club their first ever seasons in the second tier of English football. So, some act to follow, really. 
He sold Mike Summerby to Manchester City for £31,000 and shortly after the start of the season out went Ernie Hunt as well to Wolves for £40,000. Townley scored 63 goals in the previous season and 24 of them came from Summerby and Hunt. Add that to the seven that Bill Atkins scored who also left that summer. Regardless of the era, losing such key players as a necessity is not an ideal way to start a tenure. Well, when you think about Mike Summerby, for instance, here he goes. He goes off to Manchester City and he becomes a key figure in one of their greatest ever sides, does he not? They win the league, uh, they won a European trophy, they won the FA Cup. And, you know, he's mentioned in, in that triumphant, isn't he, of Bell, Lee and Summerby. A one wonderful, wonderful player. And to lose somebody of that stature was not an easy thing to do. Ernie Hunt, likewise, uh, goes off to Wolves. He gets fame at Coventry and, dare I mention it, Bristol City, you know, has a wonderful career. Both of these players move away from the county ground to higher levels of football and achieve greatness, really. So that will tell you the stature of the players that we're talking about here and the amount of goals they lose. Of course, hey, you can draw comparisons with the club at the minute, can't you? A goal scorers are difficult to replace and they were tremendous players. What we see in the Danny Williams's first era is that it seems that either the Generation or Swindon Town were much more patient than they would be in 2019. In comes Joe Butler is his first signing from Newcastle for just over £5,000. Peter Downsborough comes in for £2,500 plus Bill Atkins. Mel Nurse comes in, a Welsh international at £15,000 from Middlesbrough. His first game in charge is an interesting one because it's at home to Oxford. A nil-nil draw in front of over 20,000 people. I think what's really telling about this is his first starting lineup. It's Downsborough, Dawson, Trollope, Morgan, Tom Hallett, Gordon Atherton, uh, Eric Weaver, Ernie Hunt, Ken Keyworth, Dennis Brown and Don Rogers. Only three of those would go on to become major players under the Williams era. Absolutely right. But, I mean, you mentioned the signing on fees of those players. What was it? Downsborough for two and a half thousand, did you say? (laughs) Ridiculous money. And uh, Joe Butler, what a key figure he was to become. You know, uh, Joe Butler, one of those sort of unsung heroes, really, of that great side of 68, 69. And to get him, you know, I I think Danny Williams obviously had in his mind the sort of team he wanted to put together. And sometimes, you know, the most unsung signings are the best signings because they come in and they provide the bedrock of what they want to do in the future. Joe Butler, definitely uh, one of those people, you know, comes in, would do a job for you without actually standing out. And that's the sort of player any manager would want in his team. In his first season, Williams doesn't have much trouble with his forward line. Keith East steps up in his one major season with Swindon and Don Rogers. Uh, is is in scoring plenty of goals as well. But what Danny does do is he improves that defence. Only Millwall can boast a better record during that season. Mel Nurse is the player of the season as well. So to tighten up that defence was crucial in that first season, which is a season of consolidation really after relegation. De- definitely, and I, and I think you know I think uh, Danny Williams was a sort of defender himself, wasn't he? He was a wing half for Rotherham, so he would know the importance of a solid uh, defensive unit. And we saw that Owen Dawson, a class player, of course he he, he missed out on the League Cup final because uh, he stepped aside for John Trollope to play in it. But you know a, a great player, Owen Dawson, classy, I think is the word. So. 
you know, a bedrock of any team is a strong defence. Let's be honest, if you don't concede a goal in a game, you're not going to lose, are you? It's as simple as that. And Keith East had an amazing spell where he was sort of banging them left, right and centre um, in, in the course of that season. I think he got, uh, I was just looking at the notes here, uh, for Man- against Mansfield, they got one, two, three, four, five goals in a 6-2 victory. Five goals! The other one was scored by somebody called Don Rogers. So not bad, really, is it? I mean, Keith East just had a, an absolute purple patch in that season. And in that first season, we see the early signs of Danny Williams being able to bring his side together for the big games. I mean, we beat Oxford away 3-0. We do the double over Reading and Bristol Rovers. We beat Reading 5-0 at the county ground. Uh, a good sign for the future. Well, who wouldn't love results like that these days? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a hat-trick for Don Rogers in that game against Reading, wasn't it? And uh, Dennis Brown got one and Lawton got the other. But a 5-0 victory at home against Reading. Well, I think now, you know, looking at the respective positions of the two sides, you would love a result like that. And yes, you, you, he got them up for the big games, there's no question. And of course, in the, I think it's the season after, uh, then we began to see Swindon emerge as a cup, a cup side as well, did we not? Uh, because they had a fantastic FA Cup run. 65-66, we finish in 7th with 51 points. In 66-67, we finish 8 on 50. So we lose a position and we lose a point. Not much difference. That season, though, we do bring in, or Danny brings in, his, he finds his captain, Stan Harland from Carlisle for £8,000. And also Willie Penman comes in from Newcastle at £10,000. Newcastle turned out to be quite a good scout in the area for, for Danny during his Swindon tenure. And the most notable moment really is what you mentioned there, that FA Cup run, which has the West Ham United game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember Swindon featuring on an old television programme, the forerunner of Sports Night with Coleman. It was called Sports View, and it was uh, introduced by Frank Boff in the old days of black and white. And Swindon against West Ham, the replay, was on the television that night. And uh, the, the 3-3 draw at Upton Park, of course, uh, a fantastic achievement for the town. And then to bring back um, the West Ham side, who included... The likes of Bobby Moore, people like that. You know, this wasn't a bad West Ham team, was it? Uh, And then to win 3-1 in front of 25,000 fans. It's extraordinary, really. And and those three massive games against Nottingham Forest, which sadly saw the town eventually uh, go out of the FA Cup. But what an amazing run that was. And they also did okay in the League Cup as well. So, you know, Swindon beginning to emerge as a cup team of note in that season. Could you even imagine it today, Swindon going to a place with three World Cup winners, plus Johnny Byrne as well, going to their ground, getting a result. The player who scored in the World Cup final getting a hat-trick against Swindon and then managing to take on Bobby Moore. Martin Peters, Hurst, and Johnny Byrne as well, who was kind of forgotten because of the World Cup exploits. Just absolutely incredible in comparison today. Yeah, and West Ham had not too long before that won the FA Cup, of course, and mm. then won the European Cup Winners' Cup. They'd beaten uh, Munich 1864, I think, in the final at Wembley. So they, they'd done a cup double themselves. So before the World Cup success uh, for Bobby Moore, you know, they played and uh, Hurst and Peters. West Ham had done well in cup competitions themselves and were an emerging force, I think, at the time with all those wonderful footballers. So that was a terrific result for Swindon. And I think nationally it began 
people taking notice of Danny Williams and the work he was doing in Wiltshire. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. season is another slight decline 10th place 49 points just the same as the one previously it's crazily inconsistent we'll go and beat one of the better teams comfortably and then can't score for three or four games uh, he, Danny fine tunes his side once again it's methodical it's patient it's only a couple of players at a time but Don Heath arrives from Norwich Peter Noble from Newcastle uh, John Smith from Torquay He's close to completing that jigsaw of the way he wants his side to play. I think there's an argument, though, especially again in comparison to 2019, that Danny might have feared for his job around this time because we're not progressing in that league. And even in the League Cup season, that's what he wants more than anything is promotion. Yeah, and actually looking at the Cup competitions uh, that season, um, they got to round four and they lost to Sheffield Wednesday, ironically, who were to take Danny, of course, mm. uh, after his success in 68-69. But you mentioned the arrival of the, of the likes of uh, Peter Noble, uh, you know, in that season. And you're right. I mean, you know, many clubs might have thought, well, hang on a minute, uh, we sort of have been going backwards a little bit here. But maybe the powers that be in those days were thinking, well, yeah, but the bedrock is being put into place and the players are arriving that maybe, you know, Danny's a forceful character. I don't think he's anybody who's going to be sort of ridden roughshod over by uh, people he would see as directors who perhaps he would have a discussion with and say, look, this is what I want to do. You're going to have to give me the time to do it. And and I would think, you know, the, it, it, Swindon were a pretty stable club. And at that time, they may well have thought, well, OK, uh, we'll give him another season then and see how it goes and see how it progresses. And my goodness me, didn't it progress? And you've got the likes of Rod Thomas, of course, alongside uh, John Trollope at the back in defence. And, you know, Willie Penman, what an important character he was to prove. Uh, Mel Nurse, uh, who scored a goal in the first game that I saw them play against Walsall, 3-0 victory at home. Don Heath, again, another important arrival. So that team beginning to take shape and maybe the directors thought right okay we'll give him a little bit more time and we'll see how this goes during williams's tenure as well don rogers goes from that exciting potential to the 20 goal a season goal scorer that we all remember now before that he was getting eight or nine oh in in the league anyway is that down to williams's is tactics because he wasn't much of a tactics man that's what uh I was told uh, by Joe Butler in his episode, is, is it just enthusiasm? Is it just because we got, or Danny got done at the right time? I think Rogers was reaching his peak, wasn't he? And, you know, uh, he, he was peerless. I mean, I think, you know, it's difficult to describe Don Rogers to somebody who never saw him play, but he was peerless. I mean, he had pace. Uh, he could beat people. Uh, he could trick people. He could score goals. He could hit penalties. He could hit free kicks. There wasn't anything much that Don Rogers couldn't do except tackle. Uh, that wasn't his job. His job was to get down the line, put the ball in the middle or smack the ball in from 30 yards. You know, he was absolutely manager's dream, I would think. And I, I don't know. I was never in the Swindon dressing room, obviously. But I would imagine one of the things he'd said, well, to get the opportunity, give the ball to Don. You know, as simple as that, really. And he's more than likely 
uh, to get you a goal. We shouldn't pass over um, John Smith either, really, because he was a fantastic midfield player. He played for England at international level uh, whilst he was with Tottenham. So that was another really important part of that jigsaw, wasn't it? You know, he came from Torquay, uh, fitting into that town's midfield. And, you, you know, he, he was a great player to have at that particular time. And if we go back to Don, he's put in a hand, he's handed in a transfer request at this during this season. Clubs had far more power than they do now over their, over their players. So Don didn't stand much of a chance. But I still think there's an element of players sort of not drop downing tools, but certainly come in not as motivated, but there's no sign of that. I wonder if Williams was a good people person. He was good in them one-to-ones, trying to motivate those players. Um, anybody I've, I've spoken to who played under Danny Williams, I always spoke, spoke warmly of him. I think we often talk of the words old school now, but of course he was old school. You know, this was in the mid-60s. Uh, managers were manager you know that they, they were they managed the team and you know the player power that we see these days when managers get um move from their positions because players don't see fancy playing for them i don't think that's the case you know uh, danny williams would say to them go out i want you to do this job and that's the job they would do uh, you know and there were some strong characters in that dressing room as well weren't there you know we're not talking about shrinking violets here so he obviously had something of some sort of ability to get those players motivated and to um, turn in the performances that he wanted. This is the season where you started going for the first time as well. What do you remember of that Swindon side that kept you wanting to go back? Well, gosh, I'd got the bug before that, before I actually started going. But once you enter the county ground, there's that old thing, isn't it? You see the pitch, you see the players come out, and Swindon scored early in that first game. Uh, So that was that, really. And uh, it was never going to be anything else for me. Uh, there are many times subsequent to that when I've thought, I wish I didn't have that bug. But unfortunately, you have that bug. And, uh, you know, I still got it to this day. And, you know, as we speak, I'm looking ahead to the trip to Milton Keynes. I mean, it's not something you say very often, is it? A trip to Milton Keynes. But, you know, I, I can't wait to get there and to sample that atmosphere once again. Albeit in Division 4, as it were. But I, I don't know. Once you go and your first experience is a good one, then you're hooked. Uh, it's as simple as that, really. That brings us to 1968-69, so a promotion season and a League Cup. The final pieces of the jigsaw are complete with Frank Burrows coming in from Scunthorpe and squad player Chris Jones coming in from Man City, but he played a key role in that season. It was a great reward for Danny Williams, who was given the time to rebuild and start again from the post-Burt era, Burthead era. What more could be said about 68-69? Well, you could write reams about it. I mean, I don't forget, to begin with, I think the season started off. They didn't concede a goal for six games. And that was a terrific start to the season, was it not? They won it. Uh, they beat Stockport. Um, they drew at Hartlepool, which is the game in which... Of course, um, John Trollope broke his arm, did he, did he not, right at the start of the season. Uh, drew with Reading, beat Plymouth 3-0. Um, drew with Watford, uh, beat Walsall, and then lost to Bournemouth. Their first defeat of the season, and that was a 2-0 defeat. But they hadn't conceded a goal in those first half-dozen games. So that was a terrific start to the season and laid the bedrock for what was to come. I think I'm right in saying it was two points a win in those days, was it not? Yes. Uh, yeah. 
So, uh, you know, it was a terrific start to the season. Defensively, they were as strong as he wanted them to be. Yeah, Town only miss out on the championship on goal average, I'm pretty sure, to Watford, which is, you know, that game, that night game at the county ground where Watford beat Swindon after the cup final. Barry Endy got the goal. I think it was 28,000 people there that night, was it not? Mm. And I've spoken to Ken Furphy about that game many, many, many times and... You know, many, many, many times I spoke to him <laughs> in some sort of... Why did you win 1-0 against us there? Why? Uh, Ken, lovely old chap. But, it, you know, it, it was the the battle between two old-school managers. Ken, I say old-school, but he was ahead of his time. He was a forward thinker, was, was Ken Furphy. No question about that. But don't forget, this is in the days of no coaching. Managers weren't allowed to coach. There were no technical areas. Once the team went out onto the pitch. Managers weren't allowed to give instructions to their players. So everything that they wanted to relay to the players had to do before or the game or at half-time. There was no coaching from the touchlines, which seems unbelievable now, but that's the way it was in that particular time. I think what's absolutely definite when you read through the articles from that season is Danny Williams has so much faith in his squad. You know, even in the build-up to the Arsenal game at Wembley, he's like, yeah, Arsenal have got great players, but I've got faith in mine too. I know he has to say that to a degree, but he could have also just been going, well, we, we absolutely expect to lose. But he is gunning for the victory all the way up into the build-up of that game. Yeah, and he was confident before the semi-final against Burnley, wasn't it? Mm. Don't forget they've beaten uh, Derby County on the way, managed by Brian Clough and Peter Taylor. And, you know, at that time, Derby were beginning to become the sort of powerhouse, really. They came a little bit later on. So they'd taken some notable scalps. Coventry City, who were um, a first division side, I think, in those days. Mm -hmm. And Burnley were one of the top teams in the country. This is not a, you know, this is not a Burnley struggling down at the bottom of the third division in those days. This is a really decent Burnley team. And you know, they've beaten them over uh, three games. The, the, the December the 18th, the uh, decisive one of the Hawthorns. And then they march on to Wembley. One disappointment. I had the mickey taken out of me uh, recently. I went to a senior Reds meeting for Exeter City, of which I'm a member. <laughs> they know of my allegiance. They take the mickey out of me all the time. But in that season, they played Manchester United. And, they, and the, the question came up. And I note in this uh, same round of the competition... Swindon lost 2-0 to Southend and I immediately was able to respond ah yes but if you look later in the season we did beat Arsenal 3-1 in the League Cup final so I think I have my revenge on that occasion Can you remember where Swindon achieved their promotion thanks to an 89th minute Chris Jones equaliser? Oh goodness me um, ah now this yes I can because I've got it in front of me so I'm cheating a little bit <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was at a place uh, notable for uh, one player making a record amount of appearances for that particular club uh, at Millmore against Rotherham United. Poetic. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's what football does, isn't it? Uh, the attendance that day, 9,584. <laughs> I mean, you know, at Millmore, I, mean, I, I, I don't know how many people have been to Millmore, but, you know, whenever I've been there, if they get four or 5,000, they were lucky. So even in those days, they had decent attendances too. I'm sure Swindon's appearance there uh, helped to swell the crowd as it did everywhere um, after the League Cup success. Of course, went to uh, Plymouth and lost uh, in their first game after that. They they were allowed to parade the trophy around Home Park uh, as a mark of respect. 
by Argyle, um, uh, who then took um, the mickey a bit by winning 2-1. But, you know, it, great. And they were respected. I think that's another thing. Swindon were respected at that time. Arsenal pulled the old trick of saying, oh, we all had flu and we weren't very well and we weren't very fit. But if you watch that game, I watched it again a little bit on Sunday when the news of Danny's passing had come through. Just a fantastic game of football. And you, you, you really couldn't take your eyes off it. What are your memories of that day? We, we should talk about the greatest achievement that you did, the greatest achievement in Swindon's history. You were there. I was. Yeah, I um, started early, got a bus uh, from Malmesbury Grammar School, which is where I was at the time. The, 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 the school uh, ran a, a trip up to Wembley and it was a, a rickety old bus. And a long journey because the M4 wasn't really finished in those days. And, um, you know, parts of it was on uh, what was going to be the new motorway and parts of it were on back roads. And then you got to the outskirts of Wembley and then you saw the Twin Towers. And I thought, here we are, Wembley. Wow. And then you get there and you think, hmm, maybe this ain't the place that you think it is. And I think I said to you in the, the previous um, episode of this that, you know, I was desperately disappointed when I got to Wembley because... It was a dump, quite frankly. The old Wembley, even those days, was a dump. And it had the magic of 66 and uh, everything else. And you remember the pristine playing surface of Wembley that was a, a legendary thing. And then you got inside and saw the mud heap that Swindon had to play against Arsenal on. And I just remember being terribly disappointed about our national stadium, <laughs> which, uh, bearing in mind what was to occur from 3.30 onwards, uh, was quickly eradicated from my mind. But, you know, those are the things that stick in your mind, really, when you get there and you see, you know, a sand pit of a football pitch. Um, you know, you think, well, actually, maybe this is not all cracked up to be. Ten shillings was my ticket. And I remember somebody writing in the Sunday Express, never has a lifetime of pride been bought so cheaply. And I, that's a line that stuck with me uh, ever since. Because <laughs> 10 shillings, 50p to watch Swindon win the League Cup. Extraordinary. What was it like in the stands, though? I mean, the pitch is rubbish. The, the ground was rubbish. I went to Wembley in its later years, and it, it, it was old and tired. And it, we needed a new ground, without a doubt. But what was it like, especially afterwards as well? It must have been absolutely insane. I just I, one thing that really sticks in my mind, apart from the game, is the incessant chant of Swindon, Swindon, Swindon. It was relentless and incredible support, just incredible support. And, you know, I'm sort of um, standing there thinking this is not really happening, is it? This is unbelievable. You know, this this Arsenal side, which was to go on to win the double in a couple of years time, you know, the, the bedrock of that team that went on to win the double. And actually, Swindon, in that extra time, just took them to, to pieces. You know, they, they didn't have an answer. Bobby Gould, of course, got the equaliser in the final moments of normal time after Peter Downsby's heroics for 89 minutes. Extraordinary performance from him. But then in extra time, Rogers took over uh, and uh, the trophy was won. And I just remember they, they came round with the trophy at the end. And there's that famous picture, isn't there, with... Danny Williams and Stan Harland and all of them all stood round and that was in front of me really and I just I can see it to this day I can visualize the color of it the the feeling of it and just thinking well this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life we're going to win everything the FA Cup the league the lot you know sadly it doesn't work out like that but at that particular time Swindon were the talk of the footballing world it was as simple as that do you think or would you agree that that is down to the management of Danny Williams or was it because of the foundations laid by Bert Head 
enhanced by Williams or just because we had some pretty great players on that pitch? I think a combination of all of it. I, th- I, I just think that was an extraordinary unit, wasn't it? And, you know, I, I think even if, in another 50 years' time, people will still be talking about it. And it is so sadly ironic, of course, that Danny's left us just a few weeks short of the 50th yeah. anniversary. But you, you, you cannot you cannot emphasise just how big a victory that was and how that team had moulded together and had produced one of the greatest shocks of all time. Not only in, um, you know, people talk of FA Cup shocks, but two years previous, of course, uh, QPR had done it to West Brom. But this was an even bigger shock because this Arsenal team was something special and Swindon had streamrolled at them 3-1. It was an amazing, amazing performance. It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. And it's a grand old team to see. Oh, we don't care what the Newcastle say. What the hell do we care? Because we only know that there's going to be a show. And it's Swindon did what they had to do and they managed, they thought, to lock Danny down to a three-year deal. Um, Upon the question of Sheffield Wednesday being interested, he typically retorted with the I'm saying nout line. Uh, Being from South Yorkshire, I suppose it was a no-brainer that Danny would take that job. What are your memories of of his exit from Swindon? Um, Just being very disappointed, but not surprised. Mm. I mean, you know, he would have been right at the top of the tree when people were looking for a new football manager. It was as simple as that, really. And as you said, he was from Yorkshire. So, you know, a return back north would not have been a difficult decision. I guess the only thing is, if you were a manager, you might well be thinking, well, where can I take the team? You know, with Swindon, they've gone up to the second division. And it was to prove in the subsequent campaign, went very close to actually making the first division. So who knows, had he stayed, they may well have been able to go on and clinch promotion. But he also probably thought, well, hang on, you know, there are one or two veteran players in this side. So are they going to get better or are they beginning to wane a little bit? And, you know, it's a tough call, isn't it? But I guess he had family connections up in Sheffield and decided to take the plunge to a bigger, what they say is a bigger club. And uh, who can blame it? If your stock is high... You're going to take the chance, aren't you? Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday of First Division. So this is his first opportunity of his career to get a taste of the top flight. Um, I, I think it's interesting what you say about the squad because if Swindon were to compete maybe with the players that Williams would have wanted to bring in, maybe the budget wouldn't have been able to stretch that far. But what he did provide us before leaving was Arthur Horsfield again from Newcastle United. Yeah. <laughs> now, Arthur Horsfield's one of these players that people often forget about in in the you know the history of Swindon he you know he came in he was a prolific goal scorer he was no slouch Arthur Horsfield you know he, he was a really good striker there's no question about that and that side went on to finish fifth in division two in 69-70 and just missed out on promotion uh, you know very very uh, close to getting a chance of playing in the top flight I think they missed out by three points and uh, one game against Blackpool on a Monday night um, uh, sort of 
sticks out in my mind. The Blackpool with Jimmy Armfield, another packed crowd at the county ground. Arthur Horsfield scores after three minutes. And you think, hang on, come on then, here we go. And of course, Blackpool eventually uh, get back and draw one each. And it was that effectively that game. And then uh, which ended uh, any chance of going up uh, and no playoffs in those days. So that was the end of that particular chance of promotion. Uh, but Arthur Horsfield, a very important striker for Swindon Town. Make no mistake about that. I think it's testament to Danny Williams that many people, and we, we spoke about this before we started recording, that many people think that he was in charge of Swindon when we went on those adventures in the Anglo-Italian Cup. But of course it was his old trainer, Fred Ford, who who orchestrated those victories it might be unfair on Ford but this was still very much a Danny Williams squad yeah it was um but then you know he had to get those performances out of the team and, and I think we discussed it last time you know they played Juventus and Sampdoria and, and Roma and people like this you know these are giants of Italian football they're not like you know division three teams these are giants and it was Gigi Perinacci was it not who made sure that Swindon can play in those competitions because they were so unfairly not allowed to play in the Intercities First Cup because, horror of horrors, they were a third division team and not deemed worthy uh, to rub shoulders with European elite, uh, which proved that to be absolutely ridiculous, bearing in mind what they subsequently did. So, you know, uh, yes, all right, yeah, it was the basis of the Danny Williams team, but, you know, let's not forget that Fred Ford had to put those performances together and get those sides uh, to beat the likes of Juventus 4 0. 4 0. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's the way it was. Do you, th- do you think, hypothetically, because it, it's a bit of a silly question because the rules were very much set in stone before Swindon won the League Cup, but do you think Danny would have stayed if, if European football was on the table? Ooh, good question. Um, I, ooh, well, any manager would like a crack at European competition, I'm sure. Mm. And do you know what? I think he probably would have thought, well, we got a crack at this. You know, I, I, I mean, the Intercities Fairs Cup was probably, what, the third rated European competition? You had the European Cup, of course, then you had the Cup Winners Cup, and then the Intercities Fairs Cup, which was so named because it was uh, first competed for by uh, teams that had cities that had fairs in it, bizarrely and strangely enough. But, uh, you know, I don't believe, maybe that's why Swindon were excluded. I can't believe they had a major <laughs> fair in it. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think any manager is worth his salt would fancy a crack at Europe, wouldn't they? So maybe, yeah, possibly. Uh, who knows? That may have come into his thinking. So Danny Williams disappears into Swindon folklore for five years. Uh, he manages Sheffield Wednesday for a couple and then he has a spell at Mansfield as well. And in early 1974, he returns to Swindon at the top of a short list to replace Les Allen. That included Bert Head and Stan Harland. Um, but it was Danny that accepted the job and he was back. Yeah, Stan had a spell, did he not, I think, as player manager of Yeovil uh, for a short while. Yeah, Danny came in in March and I think he knew uh, that the town were down and uh, really it was a case of building uh, for the next season because I think he uh, sort of... I think once they were relegated, um, they actually did okay. They picked up a few points. Um, uh, but then he said it was too late and they were building effectively for the next season and produced one of my favourite Swindon teams. I have to say, you know, the likes of Anderson, Easto, Moss, Syrup, people like that. I love that team. I thought they were terrific. 
And uh, I think I mentioned to you before the, the 4-1 home win over Colchester, which remains one of my favourite Swindon games of all time. It was just fabulous. And uh, Moss got a goal, uh, got a hat-trick in that one. Easto scored as well. I just love watching that team. He really put a, a really good, energetic football team together, who again, sadly, missed out on promotion. Sirius, little flick. Stroud. What a good shot. Williams returned. Williams said, I'd like to build the kind of side I had here the last time and I'd like the fans to come back and support us. It was terrific. I loved it. I, uh, and again, of course, ironically, they, they, they played West Ham, did they not, in the cup mm. um, in 74-75 uh, and um, drew at West Ham but lost the replay at home. Uh, so it all went a bit uh, different to the way it went before. Peter Easto, of course, who came on loan initially, at the end of that relegation season and then became an important part of that season when they'd signed him for the ridiculously cheap sum of 80,000 quid uh, uh, permanently. Uh, but that, that forward line, I just, you know, the names you can reel off. And it was Colin Profit also played in that team. Of course, Steve Hazelwood was part of it, I think, as well. So there were some terrific footballers uh, in that particular side. But we shouldn't forget, of course, um, Norman Trollope. Norman John Trollope, still an evergreen, ever-present in that side throughout the season. Tremendous. And, uh, you know, he was there um, plugging away. Kenny Stroud, another great player in that team. You know, the names go on and on and on. And Tommy Jenkins, of course, uh, was brought in as a replacement uh, for Donald Rogers, who'd, who'd gone off to Crystal Palace to a bit of fame and fortune there, destroying Manchester United in one game. Tommy Jenkins came in from Southampton. Didn't quite work out for him. So it all, you know, began, I think, just to... We saw the end of that League Cup side breaking up and, mm. you know, uh, the likes of Frank Burrows were beginning to come towards the end of their time at Swindon. Joe Butler, likewise. So, you know, that was the beginning of the end, really, uh, uh, of that League Cup era. What I like about Williams's uh, return is he immediately signed Easter without even watching him play. So it was straight away. So he knew a quick fix. He knew a crowd pleaser when he saw one. He was fabulous. I mean, I'd love Peter Easter. He, he's just one of my all-time favourites. And, you know, what a goal scorer. He got a couple on his debut, I think, um, in a two-tour. Was it Carlisle? I think he, he, he got a couple in. You immediately thought, this is a player. And Wolves let him go. And then, of course, went on to great success with QPR and Everton, didn't he? So, mm. you know, a great player, Peter Easto. Also in that team, uh, Willie Dixon, my all-time favourite Swindon player. But no other reason. I just like Willie Dixon. A uh, fantastic footballer and a great moustache, but a, a wonderful footballer. Uh, uh, but as I said, I think it was the beginning of the end of that sort of successful era. Uh, we'd, we'd seen relegation. We were back in Division 3. And then it began gradually to sort of unravel, didn't it? And and the subsequent season of 75-76 turned out to be a bit of a disappointment, quite frankly. Yeah, especially after 74-75, because what was it, fourth with... And the, the first three, there's no playoffs then, so the first three went up, and we missed out on promotion by two measly points. Absolute margins again. I, I'm very interested about this time, because this is one of your favourite eras, and it's one of my dad's favourite eras as well, but... Is it because there's no silverware that this team, this great side that, that Williams helped create, 
just gets forgotten in time because you look at the history books, you see the position and you see the division and it, it, it just doesn't seem glamorous. But we were playing some great stuff then. Absolutely. And I'm just looking down the list of the teams that we played in that particular era. Um, you know, you had the likes of Crystal Palace, uh, Watford, Blackburn. Uh, you also had Charlton Athletic. You know, there's some decent clubs mm. in that league, you know. And, and I think 74, 75, if you had to push me, apart from 68, 69, it's one of my real favourite seasons. I loved it, you know, and, and it was a real pleasure to go along to the county ground every Saturday and watch that team play. And, and you know, I, was, I, I just remember missing one game because I, had to, I went to a concert at the Colston Hall in Bristol. I think it was Wishbone Asher went to see. And I had to get a bus early, which meant I missed the town game. And it was like, you know, you might as well have beat me around the head with a, a, a wet fish. You know, it was like miserable. I hated missing a Swindon game. And uh, it, it was during that season. And um, I think, you know, that's how it felt. It just felt... Yeah, there's a bit of magic here, and this is a decent team, worth well worth watching. And you know, I'm going to get along, and I'm going to get excited. I know I'm going to be excited by the team that I'm going to watch this afternoon. Which, you know, sadly in recent times, how often do we do that? Uh, not very often, I'm afraid. Yeah, even in mediocrity, we could, Williams could still conjure up a day to remember and the Fulham game, the five nil in the FA Cup. Bobby Moore, George Best, Rodney Marsh. 5-0 against Fulham. Just just think about that for a minute. And yeah, George Best hit the crossbar from about 45 yards, I think. And he was absolutely amazing that night. And I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that George Best spent an hour after that game signing autographs and actually held the Fulham bus up. Uh, it, was, I, it may well have been on the previous episode of this. You know, but George Best you know, was a, a fabulous person uh, in terms of, of promoting the football game. And, you know, that, again, was a packed-out county ground and Swindon destroyed Fulham that night, no question about it. During this time, Danny could still make a decent signing. We've mentioned Eastow, the late Steve Hazelwood, Ray McHale, uh, Mel Nurse provided us, uh, or scouted Russell Lewis, Chris Kamara came in through Danny Williams' first time round. Ultimately, these are great signings, but what are your memories of the of the expectations of fans? Did we expect the 60s again, or were fans understanding of the constraints and that, that Danny was under? I think they were getting excited. I think, um, you know, that little season where they had a bit of a blip, you know, uh, uh, and sort of looked to be on the wane. Uh, Danny was in charge in 76, 77, and don't forget, this was the side that was beginning to shape, take shape that would go on to get to the League Cup semi-final again against Wolves. And to this day, I don't know how Paul Bradshaw wasn't sent off for his foul on Alan Mays. I still, to this day, cannot believe that. Uh, so, uh, you know, this was still an era when maybe the thoughts of the League Cup were still lingering and the thoughts that this team can go on and become bigger than it actually is. And, you know, we were to see that uh, end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s and then again of course it then uh, began to fade away but you know the likes of Ray McHale and people like that came in and McHale terrific midfield player so you know that side was beginning to knit together and uh, of course that was Bobby Smith who put that side together that got to the League Cup semi-final or he was in charge of it so there were thoughts that maybe the club could still achieve a little bit more than it was actually achieving uh, we'd had the disappointment of the early 70s under les allen where you know we'd had a miserable season in division two quite frankly and um started brightly though we're top of the league after three games 
and then subsequently sunk to relegation before Danny came back. Uh, so there was still that thought that maybe we can go on and do something. Let's get out of Division 3. You know, let's try and get back to Division 2 because uh, we'd had five pretty good years in Division 2 after the League Cup success and we, we needed a bit more, I think. Well, Danny stepped down in 1978 after the dreaded vote of confidence from Chairman Cecil Green, but Danny was moved into the general manager role, a, a role that Danny referred to as a posh title, where he remained in that job until 1985. His job ultimately uh, was to sign players in his newspaper column in 1978. He said without blowing his own trumpet that he had a knack for signing players and convincing them to sign for town. Ultimately, during this era, the general manager, what were your memories of Danny? Well, Bobby Smith really took most of the headlines, to be fair. Um, you know, this was a, a bright young manager. He came in. He'd been manager of Berry, who'd beaten Swindon 2-0 on the opening day of the season. And Andy Rowland was part of that team, of course. Uh, so, you know, he uh, was a bright young manager. He'd been at Manchester United, I think, as a trainee, hadn't he? So, you know, Danny was in the background. But it was very much Bobby Smith who was getting the kudos for putting this team out that got up to the League Cup semi-final. And um, what a tremendous era that was. You know, anybody who was at that game against Arsenal, again, uh, in the League Cup quarter-final, uh, and saw that uh, amazing one-all draw at Highbury with Billy Tucker heading the equaliser, and then the subsequent 4-3 victory against Arsenal. Pat Jennings in goal, Liam Brady. These are great players, and... Uh, Swindon that night were fantastic and Andy Rowland getting the winner late on in extra time and I just remember <laughs> uh, one of the stewards picking up the ball Swindon had gone two up and kissing it before he put it into the quadrant for a corner to be taken by Swindon it was that tremendous excitement that was going around the ground so Bobby Smith was getting much of the credit for that and, and Danny Williams very much in the background I think which probably says you know that Danny Williams wasn't all about himself. He was very much about Swindon Town and moving them forward and happy to fade into the background. Yeah, I think so. I think he still, he lived at Letchlade, I think, during this time. And, you know, times move on, don't they? And I think, I think what Swindon wanted was a track-suited manager, which Bobby Smith was. That was very much the phrase of the day, mm. a track-suited manager. Uh, Bobby Smith came in and, and that's exactly what he was. He was bright and he was fresh and, you know, brought in new ideas, I assume. And, you know, that was another terrific season when they got to the League Cup semi-final. And, you know, no town fan will ever forget that. And don't forget, of course, they also got uh, to... Uh, they got past... Uh, um, they played Tottenham in the FA Cup as well, um, drew at the county ground, only to lose away in the replay at White Hart Lane. So this was a, a pretty good time for Swindon, the late 70s and uh, the first year of, the, of 1980. So... You know, wonderful stuff. And Bobby Smith had a great season. It all went pear-shaped for him eventually. And uh, he found himself facing the exit of Swindon not too long ago after that. Reading quotes from the time, Danny Williams had a wonderful way with words. He spoke his mind and he did not suffer fools gladly. Well, he was a northerner, wasn't he? And I think generally they, they do say what they think. And I would imagine that if you didn't do the job he wanted you to do, then you would be told about it in no uncertain terms. But he would also command fierce loyalty. And I think that's another thing uh, that comes across whenever you speak about Danny Williams to the people that played under him, that, that you know they were fiercely loyal to him. And uh, that comes across in the performances 
that we've talked about. You know, you, you don't go to Wembley and beat Arsenal 3-1 uh, unless you are fiercely loyal and, and you believe in what the manager is telling you to do. And I, I, I think, you know, if people talk of, of Swindon Town, as they say, in 50 years' time, the name of Danny Williams will still be up there as one of the greatest names in the club's history. Did you ever meet him? I didn't, sadly. I started working in the media um, just after he kind of faded into the background. So, no, I, I think if I'd had met him, it would have been one of those occasions where I'd have probably gone up and said, Hello, Mr. William. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and probably would not have been able to speak. It's as simple as that, really. Uh, you just, you know, a legend. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. And um, I would imagine... You know, I hope that on Tuesday night against Forest Green, there is some sort of tribute. I've, I've seen it um, said that there ought to be a round of applause in the 69th minute to recognise the League Cup success. Well, there ought to be a round of applause in the 69th minute on Tuesday night against Forest Green uh, to pay tribute to the great Danny Williams. There ought to be something. I hope at least before the game, there'll be a minute's silence or a minute's applause, perhaps a minute's applause to celebrate what that man did for Swindon Town would be appropriate because it will never ever be forgotten. I completely agree. I mean, I was born in the early 80s. I'm two years old when Danny Williams leaves Swindon for the final time in 1985. And ever since I can remember, I can tell you the 1 to 11 of Swindon's lineup against Arsenal, including their manager. And I would have been exactly the same as you if I ever met uh, Danny Williams, which I never did. I would have been an absolute wreck of, of and I would be the same if I met any of the 11 plus Willie Penman of course um, who's no longer with us as well it's such an important moment in Swindon's history when I heard the news I sent out a tweet that explains what Danny Williams meant to me and many Swindon fans that even though I wasn't there in 69 the reason I support Swindon is because of what he achieved during those years before. And I think a lot of Swindon fans now, whether they were born in 1960 or if they were born in 2005, their link to Swindon sort of originates a lot of the time through Danny Williams. And there's not many people that can say that. You're absolutely right. I mean, you, there you are. You're talking about somebody who was born... You know, uh, let me see, 12, 13 years after the events of 69. But you obviously are proud of the achievement that that club achieved in those days before you were born. And, you know, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Mm. That in the subsequently 50 years on, we kind of haven't achieved, apart from the promotion to the Premier League. You know, that those have been the two major achievements, really. And it, it kind of hurts a little bit that, that it's that's how it is because you would think you know if ever there was a time when you know you could have be, go, gone on to be a great team 69 probably would have been it and maybe you're right you know had Danny Williams stayed and the investment was there but don't forget they were building a new stand as well weren't they yeah. so a lot of the money uh, went into building what we now call the Arkle stand in those days rather than spending money on the pitch so you know, there, ha there have been missed opportunities and maybe, you know, the building of a new stand, OK, still there. It's a half empty most of the weeks, but, you know, it was obviously necessary. But maybe if we'd had one or two major signings, uh, then maybe we could have pushed on 
to that uh, dreamland of the first division. And, and in those days, of course, it was a much more, to use the phrase, level playing field, wasn't it? It wasn't a, a, a league of huge riches that we see these days. Many people, upon hearing of the passing of Danny Williams's credit him as being the greatest manager that Swindon ever had, and they link that, of course, to the League Cup, rightly so. But is there more to it than that that makes him Swindon's greatest ever manager? Arguably. I just think it's the fact that he bought into the club, didn't mm. he? And, you know, he produced a unit uh, that, as you say, most Swindon fans could name, even if they never saw them play. And uh, I, I, he was just a great manager. And he had a time when the stars aligned mm. and he produced magic. There's no question about it. He didn't produce magic at Sheffield at Wednesday. Uh, but he produced magic at a little old club in Wiltshire called Swindon Town. And, you know, any Swindon Town fan would say thank you to Danny Williams um, because he achieved greatness for our football club on one Saturday afternoon in March in 1969. Absolute greatness. And that will never be taken away from the football club. What are your personal lasting memories of Danny Williams? Just a great football manager. A, a great football manager and you know I, I will go to my dying day remembering Wembley 1969 as one of the greatest moments in my life no question about it even though after the game I sat on the bus in that car park waiting to get out and I had the worst headache of my life because of the diesel fumes coming into the windows so it kind of took the edge off the day but it was the greatest moment of my football life no question about it in and we're talking about it 50 years on. Just amazing. And thank you to Danny Williams. Absolutely. Now, final question, really, or observation, as many fans have called for a lasting tribute beyond a minute silence, a round of applause, black armbands, what have you. They've talked about, you know, a statue, which in fairness is quite an expensive purchase, or renaming the town end has been mentioned as well. It's, we've got to do something, haven't we? Uh, absolutely right. And um, yeah, I, I, I think if you name one of the stands after Danny Williams, that would be a more than fitting tribute. And, you know, we've got a statue of Harold Fleming, uh, have we not, in the reception? I think it's still there. Mm. I haven't been in the reception for a long time, <laughs> but I guess it's still there. There has to be something, you know, there has to be a sweet or a stand named after Danny Williams without any question whatsoever. Vic, that was amazing. Thank you very much. No, Rich, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much again. Below Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hello again. In episode 16 of The Load Strangers, I spoke to Joe Butler, who was signed by Danny Williams. Here is a clip from that episode where Joe discusses his memories of working alongside Danny. Enjoy. The first person from before the 80s that I've spoke to, so this is a fantastic opportunity for me to talk about some real major names within Swindon's history. Um, you're one of Danny Williams's first signers, as you've mentioned. What were your general experiences of him and what sort of football manager was he? Broad Yorkshire, Broad Yorkshire. Funny, funny fella, 
probably didn't realise how funny he was, but he, he just, he just. I mean, that, that era in managers and what have you, they were, they weren't like supposedly what they are now, all, all um, technical and this, that, and the other. But he was a, he was a, he was a nice bloke. I wouldn't say he coached a lot. We tended to. I mean, when he got the the good, the the, the major sides together, we used to do an awful lot ourselves. But Danny would base his his. Um, a lot of his preparation on on fitness, and he used to he used to do a thing. He used to call it stamina training, and we used to do that on a Thursday, every Thursday morning, stamina. And what was stamina training? You'd, you'd start off on the track. You'd do from to say the corner flag to the other corner flag. You'd, you'd run, then you'd walk, you'd jog around, whatever, and then you'd increase it to the next to the next halfway line, and then the next the next corner flag, and then eventually you'd be doing full laps at full pace. But obviously, you, you, every every time you were you, you done increased it one more. I mean, you, you had less time to get your breath back. So really, it was all about. Stamina. That was it as far as he was concerned. If you did that, and what he used to call, no monkey after Thursday. This is all this is, I'm just telling you exactly how he used to say it. You do that stamina training in the morning, no monkey after Thursday, and we'll be fit, it will be okay, no problems. <laughs> and you know what I mean by monkey, don't you? <laughs> eh? No? Sex. He used to call, he used to call it monkey. <laughs> Well, As I say, that, that is something. Now, that that was how we used to. That's how we used to talk to you. You know, you know, monkey, and everybody would be looking at each other and say, "What's he on about? What's he on about?" Well, then it would come out. But he did this all the time. You know, I mean, he, he his, his his team talks and 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 all things like that were just. I mean, it was just funny, just funny. He, he was, he was, he was, a, he was a nice bloke. He, he, he'd always tell you, I'm straight as a die. Wouldn't tell you a lie. All these sorts of things. Me, I was, I was a Catholic at the time. And when he talked to me, he said, Joe, he says, it's just like I'm in the confessional when I'm talking to you. I wouldn't tell you a lie. <laughs> you know, and he used to look at him and he used to think, who are you trying to kid? Like, you know, and you know, uh, he was, he was nice, nice lad, nice, nice bloke. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy. Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 